Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Uh, over the past few years, uh, I think I've grown a lot uh, in the Lord. And so I'll tell you a story. This, this week, I've been, Lord, show me things about myself that need to change. Show me things about myself that need to grow. And so I took a personality test. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And uh, the trait that was the highest in my personality was disagreeableness. <laughs> and of course I disagree. So, yeah. So the title of my message, this is an honor and a privilege, and I don't take this lightly. Um, it is by far my favorite thing to do, talk about the Word of God. So the title of my message, which I think God is playing a trick on me, is when God makes us uncomfortable, no mic, no sound system, no projector. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and my reading for this morning comes from the book of Acts, um, just so that you know. I've been doing a Bible study on a Wednesday morning for the past two or three years now. And we're only at Acts chapter 11. So, yeah, started in Acts chapter 4. We're only at Acts chapter 11 now. But I want to read from Acts chapter 10. I'm reading from the ESV, from verse 9 to 29. And it says this, The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the house top about the sixth hour to pray. That's about 12 o'clock. Every single time I lead the Bible study, I pray, Lord, please let me read the entire scripture before I interrupt. Never works. <laughs> then he became hungry and wanted something to eat, being Peter now. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens open and something like a great sheet descending, being let down in its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came to him a voice that said to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came again the second time, what God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, Peter is a slow learner. And the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had saw, that seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit of the Lord said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is, what is the reason for your coming? They said, Cornelius is centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who is well spoken of in the whole Jewish nation, 
was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in as his guests. The next day he arose and went away with him. And some of the brothers went with him from Jopburg. And on the following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and he called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And he walked with him, and he talked with him, sorry. And he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked them, why have you sent for me? Now, a lot has happened in Peter's life by the time we get to Acts chapter 10. Uh, let me just give you some backstory. I'm going to take five minutes to explain what I could not do in two years of Bible study. <laughs> so, when in Acts chapter 1, Jesus is about to ascend into heaven, and his commission, because the disciples ask him, are you going to now restore the kingdom of God to Israel? Are you going to come and fight and destroy the, the, the Roman Empire? And Jesus responds by saying, nah, that's not for you to know. It's not your business as to how my kingdom will flourish. But what you should know is that the Holy Spirit will come. And he will descend on you, and then you will be my witnesses from Judea, uh, from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then the ends of the earth. And so the entire book of Acts goes from Jerusalem and flows out and spills into Samaria, and then spills out into the rest of the world. So you see the flow of the book. And so Peter has been on this journey where in Acts chapter 1 to 6, the church, believe it or not, is locked in Jerusalem. And God is, is going to prepare a way for them to actually be dispersed. And the way he does this is he raises up a man named Stephen, who was a deacon in the church. The Bible says he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he was full of faith. And he was so great at what he did was that he began to preach the gospel, healing the sick. And they could not defend his wisdom, the Pharisees. And so they take him to the Sanhedrin, which is the council of their day. And he preaches to the, to the Pharisees. And his preaching was so good, they stoned him to death. Now, if that's criteria for good preaching, then Lord help us all. Right? He gets stoned to death. And this becomes a platform for the Jewish nation to begin to persecute the church. And in this persecution, God spreads out his church. So they flee. And they go into Samaria. And God knows this because once they go into Samaria, guess what they're taking with them to Samaria? The gospel. And so they flow out into Samaria. Now Samaria, not a nice place for the Jewish nation. In Luke chapter 9, the Samaritans reject Jesus. What did James and John say? Lord, can we call down lightning from heaven to snuff them all out? So you can see that the uh, apostles are not very really fond of this group of people. <laughs> but the gospel's going there now. Through Philip, it gets to Samaria, and Peter and John is called out because they now have heard that the gospel has gone to this, this group of people. 
And imagine how uncomfortable it must have been for Peter and John, who have this dislike towards this group of people. And they have to go and see what Philip has done, and when they get there, they lay hands on these people, and the Spirit of God falls on them. They get baptized in the Spirit, and the Bible says they speak in other tongues, and they prophesy. And Peter and John must have been bewildered. I did not know God was for this group of people too. Right? So, Peter's uncomfortable. But then, it, gets, it goes on. And through the book of Acts, from, from chapter 7 to about chapter 10, you see Peter more and more finding himself outside of Jerusalem. He goes from one city to another as God pulls him out of his comfort zone. Every single time, he's having to overcome himself so that he can do the will of God. And so, you see Peter in Acts chapter 9 uh, going to a lady named Tabitha's house because Tabitha falls ill while Peter is in, in Lystra. The disciples hear that Peter, the great Peter, is down the road, so they call for Peter. And I'm sure that the thinking in the church's mind at that point was, you know what, Peter's close, he will give a nice funeral. Peter gets there, not there for a funeral. Raises Tabitha from the dead. Right? And now Peter, stuck in Joppa, is sitting at a man named Simon's house, which is where we are in chapter 10. Sitting at a man named Simon's house. Simon is a tanner, which means he worked with dead animals. Jewish people don't want to with dead animals. Once again, Peter is found outside of his comfort zone. For some reason, Peter is finding himself in a very unkosher environment. And Peter is a kosher man. Trust me, he's a kosher man. Right? And so, he's sitting. But you know, the scriptures say when Peter, when Jesus sends them out in the, in the book of Matthew, he says, wherever you find a man of peace, stay at his house. So by the will of God, <laughs> Peter found a man of peace who happened to be a tanner. But the word of the Lord says you must stay in that man's house. So he's uncomfortable, but he's there. So the next day, he goes up onto the rooftop, of course, because it's nice on the rooftop. And he's going to pray, which is 12 o'clock. Jews have three hours of prayer, the sixth hour, uh, the, the ninth hour, six hours, and twelfth hour. They pray in the morning, the afternoon, and the evening. So Peter is doing what he was always done as a Jew. He's up there to pray. And the Bible says that while Peter is praying, he becomes hungry. Now this is brilliant. In his hunger, God gives him a vision. Now we all get visions when we get hungry. <laughs> all of us, we dream about that food we are going to eat. But this is not like any vision Peter sees. The Bible says he falls into a trance and he gets this vision of this heavenly banquet that comes down from the heavens stretched from one corner to the other. And I'm sure Peter must be thinking, oh yes, Lord, this is great. And the sheep comes down, comes down, comes down, and then he sees what's for lunch. And he's like, no, no, Lord, no. I've never touched anything that's common or unclean. Right? Basically, he's saying to the Lord, I'm hungry, but not that hungry. I'm not willing to eat that stuff. No, thank you, Jesus. I, I'm, I'm okay. 
right? But think about it. Think about how powerful Peter's culture and self-identity was over him. That he was willing to say no to Almighty God. If God were to give you a vision and say, do this, I would be like, Jesus, no. No. Right? We would say, I'll never do that. But just take a moment. Think about how we often, often, go against the will of God. Think about how often we refuse to let go of what we believe to be right and wrong, what we think about ourselves, despite what the scripture says about us and how we're supposed to act. And this is a fight we all have to fight. The wrestle against the thing that dwells within us. Our self-identity. And I just want to make this very personal, so pray for me as I go through this. I've been challenged over the last week or so. Because I've been speaking this message for, for a few weeks now. And it's been challenging for me. Because I know how I have to wrestle with the person that lives inside of me. And often, the scriptures are clear about what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to act. And what God expects of us. And very often, we like Peter, saying, Lord, I'm hungry, but not that hungry. I want you, but not that, that much. I'm desperate for you, but really, when it come, push comes to shove, is there nothing else on the, on the menu? Right? So, about two years ago, um, I was asleep around 12 o'clock, and 12 o'clock in the, evening, in the morning, sorry, in the morning, and I heard this huge noise, and what I heard was a brick flying through my window, and someone screaming my name, jumping through the window with a knife in his hand, trying to kill me. Not a fictional story, a real story. Right? And traumatic experience, I ended up with 20 stitches now because we had an altercation and he jumped back out the window and ran away. However, he went to prison, um, but this week, <laughs> I saw him again. He's out. And I was challenged, because I saw him. And everything in me said, I want to pick up a brick and throw it at him. Really, I want to just catch him alone in a corner or somewhere and do something. But then I was reminded of the scripture. And I'm sure Peter must have felt like this this day. This is what the scripture says in Matthew chapter 5, this, this, uh, verse 38 to 42. It says, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn it to him, the other cheek. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go a mile, go with him too. Give to the one who begs from you. 
and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. I'm looking for the attainment. <laughs> I'm looking for the point, the part that you know that those letters in your Bible which is except for Siobhan, who doesn't have to because the Lord knows my heart. <laughs> right? That's not there. It's very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable to know that the Lord is asking me to do something that quite honestly feels unproductive. How does turning the other cheek help that person know that you shouldn't be slapping people? It doesn't, right? So there must be a greater purpose in all of this. Why is God making us uncomfortable? Why would he do that? Lord, what, what's the purpose of making us uncomfortable, making us read a scripture like that and then feel like, Lord, surely you have a better way of dealing with these things. Imagine how Peter must have felt. Imagine how little time Peter had to digest what was going on. The Bible says he was perplexed as to what he seen, sitting on the rooftop, pondering as to what this could mean. Why would you send me a great sheet with animals on it? Isn't it strange how God talks to you? Sometimes you, Peter's hungry and now God uses food and as, a, as an analogy of what he's about to do with the gospel. So this thing comes down, he sees it, and while he's pondering on it, the Spirit of the Lord says to him, I've sent three men. Don't worry, they are, I've sent them. Go down, don't hesitate to, to accompany them. Now, just to put this in, in, in today's terms, Roman soldiers coming to look for Peter is a no good thing. N not at all. Not in the first century. That would be like if someone in the Ukraine got a word from the Lord that three Russian soldiers are about to come. Don't worry, I'll send them lodge with them. That's nerve-wracking. So, he sits with him. Once again, Peter must be uncomfortable. He doesn't have time to digest what's about to go on, but the Lord is not worried about his uncomfortableness. His uncomfortability, sorry. The Lord is looking for his obedience. And so, Peter, as uncomfortable as he is, lets these soldiers into Simon's house. And they feed him most and they feed them most likely. Another another big no-no. We don't eat with anyone that's not Jewish. Now he's letting them stay overnight. He's feeding them. He's breaking all kinds of customs. And then the next day, he's gonna go and follow them. This could be a trap. This could be anything. And so he says to the brothers at Joppa, can you come with please? <laughs> come with just in case anything could be happening. Right? Peter then gets to Cornelius' house. And we should know this, that Peter doesn't know why the Lord is doing this. Why are you doing this, Lord? Sometimes, sometimes, all of us are like in the army. Right? And some information is just classified. 
you are on a need-to-know basis. Because if you knew all the stuff that was about to happen, you would not go. <laughs> right? And so he says, no, I'm need-to-know basis. And he gets there. He knows what the word of the Lord said to him, so he has to obey. He's not too, he's not too uh, sure about why, but he's going. And he gets to Cornelius' house, and this is the words that come out of his mouth. This is brilliant. He says to Cornelius, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate or to visit anyone from another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. Now, that doesn't sound like a man is very calm. Let's be honest. If, if, the first, if someone invites you as a guest, and the first thing you say when you come to their house is, you're not, not supposed to be here, right? <laughs> this, this, is not, this is not the place I'm supposed to be. Surely you are, you're feeling, you're feeling a little bit strange on the inside of you. What makes it worse is that when Peter looks around, it's not just Cornelius. Cornelius, in his excitement, has invited the friends, the cousins, everybody's here to see and hear what Peter has to say. And so he's uncomfortable because he doesn't know what to do with what God is doing with him right now. What God is calling Peter to be, right, has not yet fully sunken in to who Peter thinks he is. And sometimes this happens with us. God says, I want you to do this. Well, but did you know that? I was like, what do you, what, I, I know what I'm doing. Right? We're arrogant. <laughs> I'm arrogant. I say to the Lord, Lord, but are you sure you haven't thought of this situation yet? You know, like, I'm sure you, you should be thinking about what the next step would be. Like, just take the first step. Trust me. And Peter is struggling. He's having to make his identity in Christ take priority of his cultural identity. He's having to say that my culture, my nationality, my race, my socioeconomic status, my education means nothing Amen. right now. Because God is asking me to do something that goes outside of everything I really want to do. Here's another point. God will almost always ask you to do something you don't want to do. Because if you did want to do it, he wouldn't have to ask you. Right? So, he says, he must be saying to himself, okay, I'm here now. Lord, what do you have for me? And, Peter's, and Cornelius says, Father Lord, the Lord said, said that I must call for you. And so Peter must be thinking, well, okay, the only thing I know to do is to preach the gospel. Let me, let me preach the gospel. And he preaches the gospel, and the Holy Spirit falls upon all of them. And Peter says, must be shocked. <laughs> he must be bewildered as well to think, oh, I didn't know that God was for this group. Right? Because when we are against people, just a side note, when we are against people, there's something in our minds that makes us believe that God is also against them. Right? Which is why we 
we go back and forth because we believe God's on God. You, you're on my side, right? I know you're on my side. This is why Peter says no when he says it. God, you and I both know we shouldn't do that. It's not, he's not being malicious. He's saying, he's thinking something about God and his identity has, has shaped God in some way. And God is saying, now I'm here to break that way of thinking in you about me. And so, Peter is allowing Christ to define him in this moment. He's allowing Christ to be God for him. And he overcomes this hurdle. He actually seriously sees a miracle take place. And his heart is wide open to a people that he wanted. Because it's not just that, oh, this is unclean. There was disgust involved. It's not just, no, that nation, the gods are falling. No, God hates them. And he's going to destroy them. And God has to remind Peter, that's not the enemy I came to destroy. Fellow humans are not the enemy I've come to destroy. And so, we have to say, in the same way, how do our identities get wrapped up in Christ? How? By obeying in the uncomfortability of it all. And so, in closing, I would like to ask this question, and don't answer the question out loud. Don't answer the question. <laughs> don't do it. In the story of Peter, Cornelius, banquets, who's the hero of that story? I'll help you. It's not Peter. Even though he stepped out of his comfort zone and he preached the gospel to the Gentiles and they received the Holy Spirit. It's also not Cornelius. Even though he prayed, sought the God, sought God diligently, and through his prayers, almost single-handedly opened up the gospel to you and me. The hero of the story is God. Right? Because he's orchestrating all of this. He's making all of this happen. Right? Without God, none of this is possible. Without God, Cornelius doesn't pray. And without God, Peter is not pushed outside of his comfort zone to answer that prayer. Right? And so, I'd like to read you a few scriptures to just show you what the purpose of our uncomfortability is. The first purpose probably is we grow when we're uncomfortable. No one grows in their comfort zone. Nobody. You must become uncomfortable to grow. And God is interested in your growth. Amen. So you're going to be uncomfortable. And when you are uncomfortable, do not ask God, why are you doing this to me? Allow him to be who he is and make you what he wants to make you. 
Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 to 16, says this about the world. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all that are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may give you that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. What's the ultimate goal of you and me shining? Glory to God, right? When we act in obedience, it's for our growth, yes, but ultimately, it's for His glory. The Westminster's Catechism, the very first question says, what is the chief end of man? And the answer is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. To glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Psalm 23, verse 1 to 3, says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. For His name's sake. It's all about Him and what He's up to and how He gets the glory. And then, 1 Corinthians. This is my favorite scripture because I find myself in the scripture. Uh, 1, 1 Corinthians 1, 26-31 says this, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to the world standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were noble of birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose what, what, what was weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose uh, God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human being might boast in his presence. And because of him, you and because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let no one boast except his boasting in the Lord. And so, when we talk about our uncomfortability and our growth and what Pastor Mark spoke about last week, as we love one another, it's for your good and my good, but it's primarily for his glory. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.